This place is pretty wonderful. I'm so happy to be here with all of you. Just sitting, reflecting on the Dharma together, exploring the practice together. It makes me really happy. So our topic, this definition of mindfulness, abiding, observing, the body is a body, feelings is feelings, mind states as mind states, phenomena as phenomena, ardent, mindful, clearly comprehending, setting aside covetousness and grief for the world. We've talked about all the pieces except for one word, one, se- one piece, the fully aware, fully aware. So this term in Pali is Sampajanya. And Bikunalio points out that this word has different parts to it. So the, the, the part, the main part is the janya part, which basically means to know. The pa combined with that, the pajanya, pajanati, the pa is a kind of a, a prefix of heading in the direction of something like that. And so going towards knowing something like that. So it's a a little bit of a um, intentionality perhaps to this knowing and a little bit of clarity perhaps. And the sum part is basically uh, an intensification prefix that sometimes just means with. So, with clear knowing. We could say this is what this term means with clear knowing. It's translated in different ways as clear comprehension, full awareness. Gil used clearly recognizing last night. Clear knowing, clearly knowing. And so in this definition section, it seems to be another aspect of wise mindfulness or the establishment of mindfulness. Gil mentioned this, we could look at this as different um, 
functions or ways that mindfulness is established and different, different qualities that come into play as mindfulness is established. And so we can think of this clear knowing as another quality of mind or another aspect of our, of awareness. And so to look at this word a little bit, today I'd like to explore it um, by looking at different ways this word is used in the texts, in the suttas, primarily in the suttas, and to see what we can understand from the different ways the word is used. So the most familiar definition possibly for many of you for this term, um, clearly clear comprehension, comes from the Satipatthana Sutta, full awareness or clear comprehension. It's in this definition section, the definition of mindfulness, but it's also uh, in the, it's also a whole section in the foundation of the mindfulness of body. It's titled or given the the title, these titles were added later, but um, it's get this one little section or one exercise um, for mindfulness of body is given the, the title full awareness or sampajanya, clear comprehension. And this is the uh, section that talks about being aware in all of our activities. I'll read this to you. One acts in full awareness when going forward and returning. One acts in full awareness when looking ahead and looking away. One acts in full awareness when flexing and extending one's limbs. When wearing robes and carrying robe and bowl. When eating, drinking, consuming food and tasting. One acts in full awareness when walking, standing, sitting, falling asleep, waking up, talking, keeping silent. And I missed a section actually. One acts in full awareness when defecating and urinating. So nothing left out. I love that, that that's in the suttas. It's like, you know, that the most mundane thing that you can think of, defecating and urinating, included here as something worthy of our full awareness. And so to me, this, this section, while this doesn't really define what full awareness is, it gives a sense of the importance of attention to all activities, no, no activities left out, and a continuity of attention that um, throughout the day, whatever activity is happening, there is this full awareness. So continuity is actually a, a pretty important aspect of our, of our practice. And Gil mentioned it a little bit this morning. We've talked about it a little bit on and off in the instructions this cultivation of this capacity to be aware, 
not only in our formal sitting and walking practice, but all day long with whatever we are doing, whatever activity we are engaged in, no activity left out. If you even just take extending and bending your arm, how much does that happen? Just to be aware when extending and bending your arm. And so this, um, the continuity of mindfulness, to me, this is a, a, something that's pointed to in this section, this continuity of mindfulness, full awareness, um, maybe beginning to pull a thread of awareness throughout our day. The continuity of mindfulness is really where the power of mindfulness begins to be revealed. As we, as that quality is cultivated, as the continuity of mindfulness is strengthened through the practice, the mind begins to be able to see more clearly what's happening. And again, from this perspective of curiosity about what's happening in the present moment as a phenomenon in the present moment, this we've talked about in some of the other aspects of mindfulness. It's not continuity of awareness around things we think we need to do or, you know, so it's, it's like the, that thief going through the house there's possibly a continuity of awareness of that thief, but there's the, the intention or purpose behind the, the continuity is important. And here, this, the intention being to know experience as experience. And this begins to uh, create the conditions for us to see and understand the conditioned nature of experience. We start to see, you know, just a simple, in a simple way, just through perhaps beginning to observe continuity between different changes of posture. We could explore the continuity between different changes of posture. Get curious about what happens there. Get curious about when does so in full awareness, when sitting, standing, and we could say it is implied in there, and in transitioning between sitting and standing, in full awareness. And so if we explore this, if we open to what is going on there, what's happening when we transition from sitting to standing? Maybe we've been sitting for a while following a meal and the conditions of the body generate urine in the bladder nothing that we're doing but it is the body's processes at work filtering liquid through our system creating waste to expel and so we have this pressure in the bladder. The pressure arises in the bladder as a natural result of conditions. That pressure 
begins to, um, we, we may become aware of that pressure, or maybe not. Maybe we just simply kind of get up and maybe we aren't fully aware and we just get up and, and, and go to the restroom. But we can, there, there's the possibility of, of the awareness being present for that pressure. And we may notice, oh, pressure, there's pressure there. And notice a little bit of the discomfort of that pressure and recognize the body sending a signal to um, empty the bladder. And so there's an intention that arises to stand. There's probably first the intention, something that's articulated something in their minds of go to the restroom. And then the... uh, the intention to follow through on that thought arises. And we stand so that we can go to the restroom. In all of this process, we we can see this, this kind of process can be seen unfolding. And when the mindfulness is clear, when that, the awareness is, is clear, when there's that clear recognition, that full awareness, we begin to see, or the seeing happens that, um, that there's a possibility to see that what happens is that there is this physical pressure that leads to an intention arising that leads to an action. There's n- not an I or me or mine in there, an I or me in there deciding to do that. It's a decision that is made. It is a decision that's made. It's an it's an it's an uh, an act of intention. But there's there doesn't need to be proposed in there that I made that decision. And so we can we can start to see this through this exploration of this continuity of awareness. We begin to see. Uh, our mindfulness begins to see, awareness begins to see this uh, kind of unending flow of the process of experience, sensations, response to that through the arising of intention and the following through of action. And sometimes we might even begin to recognize that the... um, the sense that I did that, that I decided to stand, that I decided to do something, happens following, happens, it's like after the fact. It happens after the fact of the intention arising. It's like there's the intention to arise and our sense of self kind of goes, well, I must have decided to do that. But it's simply this process unfolding. And so this continuity of mindfulness, this importance of continuity, is that it begins to reveal to us more about the conditioned nature of experience and also begins to reveal the impermanent nature of experience, which leads us to a deeper understanding of what's actually happening here and how our minds get stuck, caught by clinging, 
wanting things to stay a certain way, wanting to be in control. And so this section on um, full awareness in the Satipatthana section on the mindfulness of the body points to this importance of continuity, of exploring and encouraging that possibility of continuity. And so this morning Gil talked about, you know, sitting, walking, sitting, and thinking of that as one one, uh, kind of practice period. And I'd encourage you to explore the possibility of full awareness, being present while eating, while brushing your teeth, while washing your hands, while taking out the trash, while scrubbing the toilet, while chopping vegetables, whatever you're doing. This is the encouragement in this section. I think another aspect of this, to me, and it's kind of implied in here, is, and it's kind of in, implied in the in the use of the term, you know. So one acts in full awareness when going forward and returning. Just the sense of that has an implication that you know you're going forward and returning while you're going forward and returning who acts in full awareness while looking ahead and looking away. You know you're looking ahead and looking away while you're looking ahead and looking away. So there's this sense of recognizing what's happening while it's happening that seems embedded in this this definition. And there's another... Um, another place in the suttas that refers to this a similar kind of quality of this uh, of this knowing what's happening while it's happening and here it points to that we can um, in this in this particular section it says one can engage in intentional activity either with or without clear comprehension with with or without full awareness and again, pointing to that um, when we're doing something, we can either know we're doing it while we're doing it, or we might be lost in thought, might not be aware of what we're doing while we're doing, doing it. And so the example of driving, you know, how many of us have driven a car and then gotten to where we're going and thought, how did I get here? I don't remember the drive, lost in in some thought. And so that intentional activity of driving, I mean, we had to, there was some part of the mind that was engaged in intention to look at the cars and to drive and to be doing things. And yet we weren't aware of it. There wasn't full awareness of the activity. And so this, uh, again, is pointing to this sense of conscious awareness of what's happening while it's happening in the present moment in the present moment as an aspect of this clear comprehension of this full awareness this sampajanya so this kind of um 
this this aspect of sampajanya, this knowing what's happening while it's happening, this is often what we uh, when we when we give a definition to mindfulness. This is often what we talk about. You know, in some ways, I think the the definition that we often give of mindfulness is actually more close to this, knowing what's happening while it's happening, this full awareness, clear comprehension. Yesterday, Gil mentioned this in terms of clarity. We cl- you know, so clear knowing, another, another way this term is used, clear knowing. We clearly know what's happening while it's happening. The mind clearly knows what's happening while it's happening. No need to even put an I in there. This is a possibility. So this clear knowing, clear recognition. So an aspect of clarity comes in to the practice of mindfulness. And I want to talk for a minute about this word clarity. Because we sometimes in practice do get a taste of clarity through this practice of being present, of, of doing the, the, um, the practice of mindfulness, practicing attending to experience. As the, as the mindfulness strengthens, one of the things that sometimes happens relatively certain points fairly soon in our practices, we get a taste of a certain kind of just real clarity of, of it just seems like you know exactly what's happening. There can be a sort of delightful sense of, of resting and recognizing that a sound is happening and then a body sensation and then a, a, a um, an emotion and then another sound and there's just this this clarity of really knowing what's happening. And often I hear um, as people continue in the practice that they're um, uh, kind of looking for that clarity, that kind of clarity, looking for the experience of the precise knowing of all of these just, you know, very specific experiences. That sound, that body sensation, that emotion, that thought, that sound, that sense, that sight. And it can be that sense of clarity. And and this often comes up as, um, as people uh, enter into uh, something that's sometimes called sinking mind, where the mind kind of begins to move into a drifty or dreamy place. And, um, you know, sometimes the, there's a little bit of low energy there, but, um, uh, you know, sometimes it feels like you're in a fog or something like that. And, um, and we're not experiencing the objects of our senses clearly. In fact, sometimes that state is one of, almost being like embedded in cotton balls or something. You know, you're just subtly, you know, kind of stepped back from all of the, 
the, the, the sense doors. And as Gil mentioned last night, there can be a clarity of knowing something like chaos or something, you know, not being, not that we clearly recognize it, but that we, we know that there's a knowing. This, I, there's, there's a clarity of recognizing something is happening, may not have the name for it, may not have the, uh, the, the sense of what it is, and yet that too is a kind of clarity. It's a different kind of clarity than the recognizing each individual experience and knowing exactly what it is. And what I would say is that there's a lot of experiences that happen as we meditate that have a flavor, a different kind of flavor of a more vague or diffuse sense. And this, the ex- this experience of the, the drifty mind or the, the sinking mind, that low energy mind that, that starts to um, you know, potentially produce dreamlike images or random thoughts. Several of you mentioned this today in the meeting, so it's part of why I'm bringing it up here. It seems to be in the field. And the, the view can be when you've had a taste of that kind of clarity that seems so delightful where you know all of the different experiences and, and you can recognize that there's the clear recognition of all of the different experiences. Then when that kind of um, dull mind or foggy mind comes up, there's sometimes a sense of, well, this isn't what mindfulness is is there's got to be some way to convert this into that kind of clarity. If I were paying attention properly, this state wouldn't be here and there would be some other kind of clarity. And yet there's the possibility of being clearly aware that that state is there. Fogginess is there. What's that experience? Maybe it feels a little bit drifty or could feel pleasant, might feel unpleasant, but sometimes it feels pleasant, sometimes feels somewhat removed from the sense doors. There's a quality in the mind. This kind of experience is often what I would call diffuse. It's a diffuse kind of experience. It's, it's not something you can, you can point to and say, that right there, that's the experience of that foggy mind. That's the experience of low energy. We can't really point to it. It's much, it's, it's, it's more like mist or fog, actual mist or fog. You know, if it's really foggy out there, and it is at times really foggy here, then as you look out the window, you can't see the trees very clearly. You know your eyes working fine, but you know that it's foggy. The fog itself is known partly by how it's obscuring things. And it's a, it's a broad experience. 
that fogginess. It's diffuse. Our mind, the mind, awareness can know diffuse experience just as it can know a precise experience. So the mind can know, awareness can take in a pressure, a sound, the sound of a bell, and the awareness can take in these diffuse experiences. An analogy that I find useful in this is um, if it's, um, you know, in this, in this uh, state, in this area of California anyway, it's usually fairly dry. You know, the air is not very humid. And when it is humid, it's, it's notable. You know, go outside and it's like the whole body just knows that humidity. It's a sense. And it's not that our minds say, oh, it's because of all of these specific sensations on the skin. It's, it much more it feels like a, 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 a diffuse experience or a, a whole experience. It's a broader experience, that sense of humidity. It's just known, humidity. That's kind of like this knowing of these diffuse states. And so there is, this is another capacity of awareness, that it can be narrow and focused, and then it can take in, it can take in objects that are very precise and uh, uh, discreet, and it can also be connected with experience that's much, that's not, precise and discreet, but it's vague and diffuse. And this capacity of this knowing this diffuseness is not something that we have, or many of us at least, I think in, in most of the, the culture that we grow up in, we value the preciseness of objects. And so that's where we've learned to pay attention. We haven't, we haven't cultivated this capacity for awareness of, of something not precise. And in terms of our practice, I just want to put this out there, in terms of our practice, learning, it, it's our minds do this, our minds know how to do this. They know how to be aware of diffuse experience, but what often happens is that we don't value it because we value something else. We value the preciseness of knowing something specific. And so our minds just kind of brush over the, those experiences and don't really take it in. They don't take in this diffuse quality of experience. They don't think it's important. Our, our, minds, our, our, our minds habitually have not seen that as a useful experience. And yet what seems to happen as we explore our minds in more and more depth is that this kind of experience becomes something that unfolds in our practice. So it's really useful to both hear that it's, it's useful to know this kind of broad experience and to be curious about them. Be curious about this kind of experience. And so there can be a clarity 
Mind is vague. Mind feels spacious. Another one of those, the states of various uh, states of concentration have this quality of being very pervading. Love can have that quality of that pervading quality, that broad, diffuse, infusing quality. And so this is um, the use of the word. When we use the word clarity, often it comes with so many ideas. I mean, all words. We all have our own definitions of words. And the, in terms of the, the definition around clarity, this seems to be a common um, misunderstanding that because, because we have this sense and because we've had a taste sometimes because we've had a taste of that kind of clarity that is very precise, we can think that's what we should be looking for, think that's where the practice should be heading, and then miss that there's a whole terrain of experience that's got a different quality to it. And this also begins to point to... um, being, having clarity when there's the experience of not being clear or the experience of not knowing. The mind recognizes, yes, this is unfamiliar. As Gil was saying, this is something. This is something. Another aspect of this quality is um, it comes up in the suttas in a, in a kind of an, an odd way, I think an odd way. Um, the quality is um, kind of referred to uh, in terms of deliberate deliberateness or consciousness or something like that. And this comes up in... in um, the Buddha's instructions to his son, where he um, he's telling his he's he's having a conversation with his son when his son is seven years old, and it seems pretty apparent that uh, Rahula, his son, has told a lie that day because the Buddha is talking about that it's as if he's throwing away something really valuable when he tells a deliberate lie. And the the phrase for deliberate lie is sampajanya musawada. Musawada means lie and sampajanya. Clearly knowing you're telling a lie. Kind of the deliberateness of that. Fully aware that you're telling a lie. And so this brings in this, this, this notion again of this kind of deliberateness intentionality in a way. I think it's interesting here that the term, my sense is that the term sampajanya must just be a kind of ordinary word in the Pali language that means something like intentionally or deliberately or something like that. 
and that the Buddha in some places is using the word in that ordinary way, in this case connected to telling a lie, and in some places is using the word sampajanya to mean something that's more wholesome. This connecting with experience in this wholesome way. And so there's this kind of deliberateness bringing in an intentional aspect in a way of the practice. And this points to different ways. So again, you know, intention, again, this intentionality, intentionality towards some activity or deliberately connecting with the intention to engage in something, which is what's pointed to in this part of the text. Intentionality, um, we often attribute it to an I or a me, you know, I'm doing this thing. But as I pointed to earlier, intention is a quality, is a, is a function of mind that kind of works to keep our bodies going. You know, if we didn't have this, if this quality of intention was not part of our system, we'd kind of just break down into a puddle of elements. We wouldn't live very long. This intentionality keeps the body going. The intention to eat arises when the body feels hungry. The intention to act arises as the body um, begins to feel stiff. The intention to move as the body feels stiff. These, this simply arises. And yet, it's very interesting that the sense of self... You know, there's, there's a sense of self that can come up here. The sense of self comes up uh, of I'm doing this or I need to do this. The, you know, we've attributed a sense of self to something that is not self. And yet that itself is an arising in the mind. This sense of self is an arising in the mind. And that can condition choices. And so I'm the kind of person who does X or Y that view in the mind then conditions choices and so the sense of self you know that the 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 sense of self actually um, can be the feeling of i'm doing x that can be a condition that leads to the arising of choice including hearing the teachings hearing Descriptions of mindfulness, hearing what's, you know, so this is partly how, how the practice unfolds. The first thing that happens is we hear something about it. Interest may arise. If interest arises, maybe a sense of self goes, gee, I'd like to do that. And then a choice is made based on that arising of interest. And there's this activity of, of doing, of engaging. And so in our mindfulness practice, it can feel like 
I'm choosing to kind of prompt mindfulness, to encourage that sense of, can I be aware? Can I connect to this experience? And this is useful. So this is a piece of the, my understanding of this clear comprehension is that when it does feel like there's a sense of self, then the possibility of choosing skillfully to engage in skillful actions. There's another part of this definition that in several suttas, and I, maybe I won't read these, but um, it, it speaks about how clear comprehension or this sense of full awareness supports recognizing what's wholesome and unwholesome. So it says, I will read this part. I do not see even a single thing that so causes unarisen, unwholesome qualities to arise and arisen, wholesome qualities to decline as lack of clear comprehension. I do not see a single thing that so causes unarisen, wholesome qualities to arise and arisen, unwholesome qualities to decline as clear comprehension. And so this is pointing to the this uh, Um, connection of this quality of being aware, of full awareness, with recognizing what supports wholesome qualities and what helps to diminish the unwholesome qualities. Wholesome qualities being those that are um, like love, compassion, generosity, based in non-greed, non-aversion, non-delusion unwholesome qualities being those based in greed, aversion, and delusion. And the, the Buddha pointed to how when we act, when, when, the, when the, the system is acting based on greed, aversion, and delusion, it creates the conditions for suffering. And as, um, as we act, as the system begins to act based on non-greed, non-aversion, non-delusion, the system moves away from suffering. And this full awareness, this kind of... Uh, and again, with the continuity of mindfulness begins to point out to us that when something like aversion arises, it feels, it has, the, the understanding is in the moment, aversion is already suffering. And when greed arises, in the moment, greed is already suffering. It's already unpleasant. It's already painful. Typically our minds are, last night Gil talked about being outward focused, focused on the world as, as, you know, what we set aside. We set aside being focused on the world. But those qualities of greed and aversion are habitually, that's their delusion. They focus on the world. They've got the belief, the delusion embedded in greed is that 
getting that thing is what's going to make me happy. The delusion embedded in aversion is getting rid of that thing is what's going to make me happy. And so the, the, uh, the greed and aversion are kind of outwardly focused. And so the, um, the turning back with this exploring with full awareness, what is the experience? Again, noticing, okay, well, aversion is arising in the moment. Instead of being focused on what we are averse to and thinking that getting rid of that thing that we're averse to is what's going to make me happy, exploring the experience of aversion itself or greed itself and recognizing that itself is already painful, is already suffering. And as, as the, the mind begins to rest with that, and open to that experience and potentially see it begin to diminish or fall away. Uh, the mind begins to recognize the falling away of greed and aversion. It's a different kind of happiness. It's a, it's a movement in the direction of ease and peace, of wholesomeness, as, as greed and aversion fall away. And the system begins to recognize, oh, it wasn't so much about getting that thing or getting rid of that thing. But there was this release from this, the, the aversion or the greed itself. And this is what the full awareness begins to, sh- to, show, to show us. What the impact is of what's arising in our system and begins to understand what leads to more suffering and what leads to ease and peace and freedom. So that's another aspect of this that brings in this aspect of wisdom to clear comprehension. This is uh, clear comprehension used in this in this way, not not the ordinary way of associating deliberateness, deliberately telling a lie, but, but this kind of specialized use of this word around cultivating wise mindfulness, that there is this understanding of what leads to suffering and what leads to happiness and freedom. There's one place in the text where clear comprehension is actually defined. This text encourages us to dwell. So there's that word again, abide. Abide, mindful, and clearly comprehending. The Buddha is talking to his, his followers. He said, one should dwell mindful and clearly comprehending. This is our instruction to you. And then how does one, how is one mindful? The definition for mindfulness is given here. 
One dwells contemplating, observing. One dwells observing the body in the body. Feelings in feelings, mind in mind, phenomenon in phenomena. Ardent, fully aware, mindful. Setting aside covetousness and grief in regard to the world. It is in this way that one is mindful. And how does one exercise clear comprehension or full awareness? Here, one for one, feelings are understood as they arise, persist, and change as they pass away, as they as they remain as they arise, remain present, and pass away. Feeling is understood as it arises, remains present, and passes away. Perceptions are understood as they arise, remain present, and pass away. Thoughts are understood as they arise, remain present, and pass away. So this is pointing to understanding, well, understanding some aspect of the mind, understanding mental phenomenon, feelings being the experience of whether something's pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Perceptions being the recognizing quality of our, of our, the functioning of our mind, that our, our minds recognize experience connected to memory. So perceptions, we, we, we recognize things. Perceptions arise, persist, and pass away. And thoughts, this is something we're all exploring. Thoughts arise, persist, and pass away. Now here, again, it's not, it's not kind of landing on or, or kind of orienting to the object here. It's more interested in the process by which objects come and go. Experience comes and goes. The arising, the persisting, the passing away of, of experience. In this case, particularly pointing to feelings, thoughts, and perceptions. But I think we can also explore this with respect to all experience. Being curious about the impermanent nature of experience. A feeling arises and it passes. A sight arises and it passes. A sound arises and it passes. Again, I, I see this as, as pointing to, um, so the, the, the Buddha has pointed us to understanding phenomenon in our experience. This too, uh, recognizing experience in the moment as experience in the moment. A feeling, not as something to do something about, but as a phenomenon that's arising, that's lingering, that's passing away. Points to thoughts, not as something to do something about or uh, figure out something about, but as a phenomenon that's arising, persisting, and passing away. This is a pointing to a way of observing, a pointing to something that's useful to explore with respect to our experience. That leads in the direction of freedom. And so the, the quality of clear comprehension 
to me brings in several aspects. It brings in the sense of the clear recognition of what's happening, some sense of clarity, although realizing that clarity may not feel like what we want it to feel like, or even think it should feel like. There's this recognition, recognizing aspect. There's kind of recognizing the context in which we're experiencing something. Is it skillful? Is it unskillful? And then there's this recognizing impermanence, phenomena as phenomena. This kind, to me this is like really pointing to how we should pay attention. Not just to sit back, I and mean, one of my teachers, Saira Utejaniya, says, you know, awareness alone isn't enough. Awareness alone isn't enough. And, and that, to me, comes back to that thief in the, in the house. It's, it's not enough to just be aware of what's happening while it's happening, because that can have an intentionality to greed or aversion, being present in order to steal, being fully aware in order to steal. But this piece, this, this piece of, of the definition of mindfulness to me brings in some wisdom and the pointing to how we how we need to cultivate this quality. What are, the, what are the aspects to attend to? These aspects of, this is experience arising in the present moment, and it's arising, persisting, and passing away. It can be so simple. Saira Otejaniya also said, you know, the meditating mind is just so simple. It's not complicated. And yet our minds complicate. Our minds complicate things. To me, what this quality of clear comprehension points to is recognizing if the mind is complicating things. Complication is arising. Complication is persisting. Complication is passing away. Just knowing complication is happening. It's just another experience. It's just another object. And we step back into the simplicity of just knowing. It's so simple. Just this. Just this. Arising. Passing away. Arising. Passing away. Let's sit for a minute. 